anyone who's old enough will remember exactly where they were and uh, what they were doing and how they heard about uh, the events that took place 20 years ago yesterday. I remember very clearly I was in my uh, rectory there at uh, in my parish in England and um, got a phone call from my parish MC. You, you would all love him because he was just the quintessential uh, Englishman. And he, and he called me about something, I can't remember what he said. Uh, 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 Father, terrible what's happening, happening going on, what's happening in, in America. And I said, okay, <laughs> really? <laughs> and we just talked about the, uh, whatever it was he called me about, I had no idea. Uh, he's the kind of person who would call a radio a wireless. Yeah, and uh, an aeroplane, a flying machine. Delightful, delightful gentleman. Anyway, about half an hour later, another uh, friend of mine who used to be parishioners of mine in London before I moved out to Kent called me up and uh, said, Father, have you seen what's happening in America? I said, what? Put, turn your television on. Oh, television, right. Have to find a remote, see where it is. And put it on and saw the terrible events that were taking place here and um, in New York. Bear in mind there was, you know, there's a time difference. There's uh, five hours between London and, and New York, so it was already afternoon or evening. At this time I'd been at a funeral of a priest in the morning and had uh, traveled in the car with the radio off, as I often do, just quietly. So I'd been completely isolated from, from, from the news. Um, but, you know, very clear um, shock uh, at, uh, at what, was, what I was witnessing there on the television. And I'm sure it has affected you uh, very deeply and this country still grieves, I'm sure, uh, from, from those events. But I do also think of, want to refer, uh, draw our attention to another 9-11 in uh, 1683. September 11, 1683 was the eve of the lifting of the siege of Vienna, the eve of a very important battle uh, for Christendom. Muslim forces from Turkey, had, uh, who for centuries had caused the West to tremble, again poured down upon Christendom. Vienna was besieged, the people were just being starved out really, surrounded by an army of 300,000 gathered under the sign of the Crescent. And as Pope St. Pius V in 1571 had asked the Christian nations to pray the rosary for the outnumbered Christian forces at the Battle of Lepanto, and how it was through the prayers of those Christian nations through the rosary that that um, outnumbered uh, Christian naval fleet actually won a victory at that Battle of Lepanto on the first Sunday of October, which was October the 7th, and which uh, we can still keep as Rosary Sunday. So in 1683, Pope Innocent XI confided to Mary the defense of the baptized nations um, at this uh, Muslim onslaught. Alone of all the Christian nations of Europe, many of which had capitulated to Protestantism, it was the Polish King John III Sobieski who departed from Poland on August the 15th, the Feast of the Assumption, and hastened his army by forced marches to Vienna. And it was on the Sunday after the Feast of the Nativity of Our Lady, the Nativity of Our Lady is uh, on September 8th, so it was actually on this day, 
and it was uh, September 12th, 1683, that the siege of Vienna was lifted, and Vienna was delivered and the Ottoman Empire eventually defeated. September 12th was marked from then on as the feast of the most holy name of Mary, paying the homage, to, uh, the homage of the world's gratitude to Mary, Our Lady and Queen. This feast was removed from the calendar uh, with the, the reform of the liturgies in 1969-70, but Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, for obvious reasons, restored it at least as an optional memorial on September 12th. Uh, thanks be to God. The intention of the Muslim invaders was not simply to take over Vienna, but was actually to reach Rome and to establish there a Muslim caliphate. How different history would have been had they succeeded, had that Polish king not come to Europe's rescue. In this month of September, we have actually three Marian feasts, the Nativity uh, of Our Lady on the 8th of September, uh, the Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary on this day, the 12th of September, and then the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows on the 15th of September, which we keep on Wednesday. I kind of encourage you really to take up this Marian thread. Our, our prayer life is supposed to be marked by the liturgy. So accept these uh, feasts in the church's calendar as reminders and as occasions maybe to honor Our Lady in a particular way, to turn our, our lives you know, ever, ever more Marian in this respect. And at the en in the entrance of the church in the vestibule, life, put some leaflets like this. One is about the chaplet of the seven sorrows of Mary, and there are three other different sort of litanies of the seven dollars of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I, I encourage you to take one or more and use them for your uh, private devotion, maybe as we prepare for the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows on, on Wednesday. And of course, to prepare for the month of October, which is dedicated especially to the Holy Rosary. The month of September is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows. Also this week, we have the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross on September 14th, which among other things marks the recovery of the true cross from the Persian Muslim forces that had, uh, that had captured it. So we have a wonderful occasion again to pray for the, the Christian identity of Europe but also of the world uh, on this Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross uh, on Tuesday. And it so happens that today's Mass in this uh, year B of the liturgical cycle uh, focuses very much on the cross. We have heard in the prophecy of Isaiah the prophecy of the suffering servant, of one who offers his back to be beaten, who offers his cheeks to those who would pluck at his beard, offers his face to be buffeted and spat upon, to suffer shame at the hands of men, yet knowing that the Lord God is my help, and before him I shall not be put to shame. This prophecy obviously referred to our Lord and was fulfilled uh, when he suffered his passion and death. As he himself foretold when uh, he was speaking to St. Peter and the other disciples, the Son of Man, as we heard today, the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and rise again. This killing, this dying, and this rising again. We can take our thoughts back to 9-11-2001 when America was humbled in such a, a great, severe way 
by that terrible tragedy and by that attack. Perhaps we consider ourselves, you know, uh, in, invulnerable, and then we find that we're not, we, we are vulnerable after all. Having been humbled, can we say that America has risen? We can see that her involvement in world, on the world stage is at times controversial, and the, the Middle East certainly hasn't, the problems there have not been resolved, uh, to say the least. A freedom tower was built uh, um, to proclaim freedom, but uh, this real name is the One World Trade Center. Of course, we have problems there with the concept of one world. We're different nations. Um, but was that an act of defiance, or was it uh, you know, some, some holier act uh, rendering worship to Almighty God? What is it that makes us great? You know, as the, as the Islamic world, with this strict moral code, plots against us, the priorities seem still to be uh, to the promotion of immorality, the promotion amongst even Muslim nations and third world nations, critical race theory, gender intersectionality uh, teachings to, to children, to, so that they will know the freedom they have, the wonderful freedom they have of choosing uh, their own gender. Um, of course, the promotion of abortion, wherever uh, we go, and all the permissive doctrines that are prevalent in, in our society, seem, the, the aim seems to be to export these as, uh, with the greatest prolifer proliferation possible uh, throughout the world. Are these really our priorities? Are these really the things that make us great? You know, Islam will say, go ahead, Western world, go ahead, and abort your next generation. Go ahead and contracept so that you will not have uh, future generations. Go ahead blindly into your demographic winter. You will save us the trouble of having to send armies. We'll soon overrun you in sheer numbers. And this is what's happened in Europe. As Christianity has declined, as Christians, so scandalously, uh, have cooperated in the decline of their own population, so Islam has increased uh, in, in Europe. And we have the, in our own country, the, uh, the president who says, that, who promises the full force of the government will be brought to bear to defeat Texas's law, which seeks to protect the life, not of all unborn children, but unborn children who are six weeks old or more, whose heartbeat has been detected. The full force of the government is being brought against efforts to protect uh, unborn life. Is this ever degenerating slide into immorality the way to greatness? Isn't a nation's future its next generation? Wouldn't a, na a nation that's confident in itself want to propagate itself? And yet we destroy approximately 2,400 people American people every day before they are born. Yesterday, in a very moving ceremony, 2,997 names were read of those people who died as a result of that tragic attack on us in 2001. But we kill almost that number of people every day in this country. No terrorist attack except the abortionists who are very much alive and active 
uh, in this country. 20% of pregnancies end in abortion. One-fifth. Is that, is that what makes us great? And the widespread use of contraception, even among Catholics, even though it's very clear that it's contrary to the natural moral law, is also resulting in a demographic crisis. Is this the way? No, it's not. Rather, we have to embrace the cross, as our Lord said. It is, that is the way to be a disciple. The cross in which our Lord died, and the cross that rose from the rubble of the World Trade Center in New York. But even then, people objected to it. We can't have the cross here as a memorial. It is repentance. It is restoring morality. And we may feel incapable of changing the world, but it begins with ourselves, a change in ourselves, to be a disciple, to be disciples as Jesus told Peter and his disciples, to deny the cross is the way of Satan. You are thinking Satan's thoughts. The way of Christ is to deny oneself and to take up the cross of our daily life. Of fidelity to the moral law, yes, it's difficult, but it is the way to greatness, to happiness, and to eternal life. Of repentance, if you contracept, I beg you to cease contracepting and conform yourselves to God's natural moral law. If you contracepted in the past and have not confessed it, humbly confess your error and your sin and you will not be condemned. You will receive God's mercy. Perhaps you didn't know. Perhaps you heard priests tell you it's okay. You will not be condemned. But seek forgiveness and God's mercy and healing and forgiveness. If you're addicted to drugs or alcohol or the internet and you use it in ways that offend against human dignity, come to the merciful tribunal of confession or other ways that you fail, have failed to be a disciple of Christ. Just come humbly and repent and begin again to be a true disciple of Christ. I have to do that myself. I'm preaching to myself, dear brothers and sisters. I am a sinner. And as St. Paul said of himself, of the first. You know, so, but, you know, I always encounter God's mercy Sometimes a little, <laughs> little word, but a fatherly word, but always his mercy. You know, particularly coming back to the you know, population issue. You know, for schools to promote contraception, isn't that crazy? I mean, don't schools depend on children? Oh no, don't have any more children when you grow up. Oh, that'll mean closing schools, won't it? Or if you don't, if, we, if you know, if parishioners don't have children, married parishioners don't have children. Well, you, you won't be surprised to see churches closing. They're our future, and the more the merrier. Um, the more the merrier. And this is this means that we will be a great nation. Yes, America, but a great nation in terms of the people of God, firmly committed to be His disciples. And in this time when we do so sorrow and we're grieving and we remember with sorrow all those who've died in that 9-11 disaster and maybe all our own other sufferings that we have, 
Let's turn to Our Lady, the Sorrowful Mother, turn to Mary. I encourage you again to use these litanies or the chaplet uh, to seek consolation from her who was sorrowful at the foot of the cross and who became as great as she was because she suffered uh, being humbled as well. Let's just seek to be really, really faithful Catholics. The more faithful we are as Catholics, the greater Americans we will be, the better citizens we will be, and we will be making the best contribution we can to making this nation truly great. There is a need for a rebirth, if you excuse the pun, in our faith, a rebirth in the church, a rebirth in families. And it's done soul by soul, family by family. Not programs, soul by soul. You and me, the families of this parish, saying we're going to be real, authentic Catholic families. And then there will be that rebirth. And from the cross there will be resurrection.